Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Amen. Good to be in JTP Church again. You guys may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Awesome being in the presence of God and being able to worship God through song. Amen. Imagine what this life would be without music. How depressing. But God gave us music. Thank God for that. And we use it to praise his name. And we have a talented worship team that does it well. Amen. Are you guys grateful for that? Don't take that for granted. We appreciate their talent and what you see here. They spend many hours practicing in their alone time. So we're, we're grateful for that. How many of you guys were here last week for the kickoff of the series? Raise your, actually, raise your hand if you weren't here last week. If you were not here. Okay, a couple of you guys weren't here. Keep in mind that the podcast is already up. We started last week and we dedicated to speaking to what? The single people. The single people. So we started last week talking to the single ladies. Carly had a part where she spoke to the single ladies. I spoke to the, the gentleman. And today we're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk a little bit about sex. Next week it's going to be married couples. And please don't forget to drop that little, did everybody get a card for notes and questions? Last week we handed them out. These are custom-made cards, people. Brandy hand-cut them individually, all right? And you guys just took them, and last week nobody deposited them. I don't know if you were pondering on the questions, but most of you guys are single people. Most of you guys, and you guys didn't bring it up here. So don't forget, before the night is over, bring your questions. It could have to do with anything that has to do with relationships, because keep in mind, this subject is so broad. With Carly, we start preparing just for sex. I mean, there's so much. I doubt I'm going to get through 50% of what I have. It's so broad and it's so much. So some of the things we're not going to be able to cover. But if you have questions that wasn't covered or questions on the subject that we did cover, please bring it in here and we're going to have a Q&A and we hope to be able to answer to the best of our ability. All right. So make sure you got it or you can tweet it to hashtag AskPJPK. All right. So we're going to talk about sex. And one of the things that we established, first of all, let me just say that Carly left me alone on this. For this week, I don't know if she didn't want to talk about sex, but I'm the one that has the mic now, so you know what that means. <laughs> one of the things we established last week is the only way to build unsinkable relationships is if we do things, thank you, God's way. I was hoping somebody will fill in the blank. The only way your relationships will be unsinkable, whether it's a courtship relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship, a friendship, is if you do things God's way, because God's way always prevail. He is the one who designed relationships. Amen? We, we established that. So today we're going to be seeing what the Bible says about sex and sexuality. Throw your hands up in the air if you want to know what's God's will. If you're interested in knowing what's God's will, throw your hands in the air. Okay, that's all of you guys. So by a vote of the majority, go with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 to 5. We're going to kick it off using this verse. And I'm going to read off the New International Version uh, just for sake of simplicity. It's easier to understand. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 and 5. Shout if you have it. 
waiting on the rest. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 and 5, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Let's start off there, right off the bat. Tell the person closest to you, tell them it's God's will for you to be sanctified. That you should avoid sexual immorality and that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans. Pagans are people that don't know God. Well, if you don't have no instructions, if you don't know God's word, obviously you have no direction. So you're going to wreak havoc. You're just going to go about what you think is right. But we are not like that because God has called us to sanctification. We know God's word. And today we're going to dive in a little bit deep because maybe there's some people that are newer and don't know what the Bible says with respect to sex and sexuality. But for us that we've been in church for a little bit longer, God is telling us, learn to control. God's not going to control your body. God's not going to be the one that controls it. He's telling us that we need to learn. So if we have to learn something, we actually have to study and learn how to do something, right? So there's a possibility of controlling your urges, controlling your hormones. Some people say, I can't control it. Something comes over me. No, God says, learn how to control it. Amen? Learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Okay, so to start off, of all the places in the world that talk about sex, I think the church is the place where we should be upfront about how things work. Some people think that you guys talk about sex in church. Some people view sex as something dirty for some reason, but it's not dirty. God created sex. Amen? So if there's a place where we have to be clear about what we can do and the way it works and how it's blissful and how it can be amazing and profitable for you and your courtship and your marriage, then it's here in church. Amen? And I'll tell you why. Number one, it's because it's God's design. God designed marriage. God designed sex. The devil did not create sex. Sex is not dirty. Sex is a beautiful thing that God created. And the married people said, amen. Amen. (laughs) We got a few witnesses in the house. The second reason why we have to be open about this in church is because there's very few people that will talk to you about sex in an open and honest way. Having your best interest in mind. Very few. Most people that talk to you don't even know what's God's way. And they might tell you certain things that are not in agreement with God's word. So it's, it's important to do it in church. And the third reason why it's important to be honest and upfront about sex in church is that poor sexual decisions always, always lead to pain, guilt, and hurt relationships. This amazing thing called sex that God created, if used wrong, if used in the wrong context, could end up, instead of blessing a relationship, causing pain, hurt, and brokenheartedness, okay? So that's the reason why it's important to talk about these things in church. We're going to talk about making wise sexual decisions. And our goal, Carly and I, is that 10, 20 years from now, when we see you guys in the mall and you guys are all grown up and you're married, that you guys will come up to us and say, you know what, pastors, thank you so much for sharing. Because when I was 16, when I was 15, when I was 20, you guys shared how great sex is and what's the right way to do sex and how God created it for it to be amazing. And today I'm married, I have kids, and I'm enjoying an amazing marriage. Thanks to you guys sharing us what the Bible says about it. That's our goal. Amen. So this is just to be able to help you guys use this. I know most of you guys are single, 
But this is something that it's important that you know starting from now, especially in the times we're living. Speaking about the times we're living, we live in a culture, in a culture sorry, where sex is no big deal. At least people act that way. They act like if sex is, you know, everybody does it. So it's not a big deal. I was reading an article recently in a magazine, and the article was titled America's Longest War. As you guys know, we still have troops in Afghanistan. You guys remember more than 10 years ago when we just started going into Afghanistan and we started bombing them, you know, because of, you know, all the whack things that they were doing, and we started establishing democracy there. If you guys remember, it was all over the papers. Yeah, it was that long ago <laughs> when newspapers were still around. That's when the war started. It was all over the papers, and every day we'd get messages, you know, online, and I don't think Twitter was around back then, but we got messages about how many bombs, how many people died and stuff. A lot of time has passed, more than a decade, and we don't hear as much as we used to. And we're still at war. We still have troops there. As a matter of fact, it's called America's longest war. It's been the longest war in the history of America. And the reason why we don't hear as much now, even though we're still at war, it's because we're saturated. We're saturated. It's happened so much, and it's become a common thing. We're at war, but, I mean, we've been at war for 10 years, so what's new? That's exactly the same thing that happens with sex. You become so saturated with what the media bombards you with sex in movies, in commercials, everywhere you go. There's sex, sex here, sex there, that people start thinking that it's not a big deal anymore. In January 6, 1957, that was only 60 years ago. Not that long ago. 60 years, that's about a generation and a half. Elvis Presley was being filmed in the Ed Sullivan Show, the Ed Sullivan Show was like a, one of the most popular entertainment shows back then. And Elvis Presley, he was moving his hips so wildly that they had to censor the Ed Sullivan Show. And they only had to show him from the waist up because they said that his movements were too sexual. Now, how long have we come in 60 years from that? 60 years, that was in 1957. Think about how society has deteriorated with respect to sex and how saturated we've become, you know, with all these programs now on TV, with the music videos and whatnot. You see, sometimes we think sex is not a big deal because we're so saturated. The same way that we think that war in Afghanistan is no big deal because we've been hearing bomb blew up, 12 people died. I'm like, oh, well, what else is new? And we become desensitized with all these things that are going on. But it is a big deal. I want you to tell the person sex is a big deal. And the decisions that you make today can affect you for the rest of your life. What do we know to be true about sex? Well, it doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey. Our bodies go through changes between the ages of 9 through 14 years old. What do we call this, people? Puberty. Girls start developing huge amounts of estrogen. Guys start developing huge amounts of testosterone. And these hormones start driving us crazy during those times. A lot of changes going around. But let's go a little bit further back. In preschool, my son, he's only three years old, about to turn four next month. And I ask him sometimes when he comes from school, and I'm like, hey, did you have fun? What friends did you play with? Jugué con Sofia. I played with Sofia. And then there's two Sofias in his classroom. So she calls the other Sofia, la otra Sofia. <laughs> I played with Sofia and the other Sofia. Now, recently, he learned their last names. So now we have Sofia Quintana and Sofia Horton. 
So I go, did you play with them? Yeah. And you see them playing around. We saw some pictures the other day. They were riding these little tricycles all in their, in their little school, and they hold hands, and they give hugs. But then first grade kicks in, and then cooties kick in. And then it's, it's gross. Guys are gross, right? This weird thing starts happening where girls don't want to be with guys, and guys don't want to be with girls. And then all of a sudden, puberty starts hitting around the age of 9, 10, and then all of a sudden, guys start liking girls back. And it's like, you know, fatal attraction all over again. But it's different now, right? It's different. It's not just holding hands. Now there's, there's something else to it. In fifth grade, <laughs> what are you worried about? <laughs> you weren't around back then. Don't worry about it. I was in fifth grade, and I made the biggest mistake of my life. I told a good friend of mine that, you know, I thought a girl in my class was cute. Her name was Lizzie. This guy went and he told her friend and her friend told Lizzie. And all of a sudden I'm here in classroom. We're in the same class. And I was, since my name starts with an A, my last name, I was always the first one in the class. And somebody asked to use the bathroom. When they came, they just dropped a little note. <laughs> so I, I, get, I get my little note in my desk and I open it. And it was Lizzie asking me out. <laughs> so I pulled one of these. I pulled one of these. I was in my desk and I'm like, she was somewhere back there. I was, I was a very shy kid. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And it said, meet me next period. Take a pass to go to the bathroom. I never did it. I freaked out. But I answered yes. So that was my first girlfriend, I guess. I don't know. So me and Lizzie, we went out. And every time I would see her, I would run away from her. I was freaked out. I guess she went through puberty before I did. I was in the cooties age. I guess it was a little bit extended for me. But one day, I remember we were in PE, and she comes up, and she stands right in front of me with my friends right next to me, and she's like, you know what, Diego, because my first name is Diego in school, they will call me Diego, so she's like, Diego, I want to break up with you, because you're not a good boyfriend. And that was the end of Lizzie and I. <laughs> but it's funny how things start working, and then once you start hitting that puberty stage, all these hormones start kicking in, and that is God developing our bodies to get ready to have sex, because it's all part of God's plan. Amen? Sex, it's all part of God's plan. Now, what's another thing that we know true about sex? Well, socially and relationally, we are bombarded by people and media about what they think sex is all about. What they think. And one of the things that they say is that sex is only physical. And the Bible is very clear. Sex is not only physical. Sex is a culmination of a relationship. When you have sex with a person, the Bible says that, and we're going to read it in just a little bit, we become one. Things are transferred spiritually also. You know, there's curses that sometimes if you don't allow God to break them, they get passed from generation to generation, like alcoholism, divorce, unforgiveness. There's a lot of curses. And when you have sex, you start transferring, not just liquids, but you start transferring also certain things, curses and whatnot. The Bible says in Genesis 2.24, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So when you have sex, you become one with that person. And you probably had a one-night stand, never saw that person again, but spiritually and before the eyes of God, you are one with that person. And there's people that have had sex with multiple partners, and they don't understand that spiritually there's things that transferred over and before the eyes of God you are one with these people because it was meant to be something that culminates 
all this time that you have spent getting to know that person as a friend and then courting that person, you know, and little by little you kissed her because now, you know, things started developing. You hold her hands. You become more intimate. And in stages, and now you get married and before the eyes of God, you say, God, I'm going to marry this person for the rest of my life. I'm going to protect her. And then on that night, you consummate that love that you have for that person. But it's something that's been building for a long time. It wasn't a casual encounter. You built this beautiful thing together, and then on that wedding night, it's something beautiful. I remember when we got married with Carly, we spent nine months dating, <laughs> and then we got married. And it was beautiful. Were we tempted? Yes, we are made of flesh and bones, just like you. We have blood running through our veins. Of course we're tempted, but we did our best to avoid situations that would lead us to do things that we weren't supposed to. So, you know, after service, we would hang out, but we would hang out where? Your parents' house, under supervision. We did things right, and I remember, man, it was so beautiful. That day we got married. We had a beautiful wedding. We went to Cancun, to Riviera Maya for our honeymoon. But we stayed the first night here, and, man, I just... It was so beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm all alone, no supervision, and it's not a sin anymore, and I could do whatever I want. You belong to me, right? So we went into the room. It was a beautiful hotel room. So Carly goes into the bathroom and locks it. I'm like, why are you locking the bathroom? This is permitted already. It was something beautiful. We had an amazing night. I always tell people, your honeymoon, you're going to have a lot of vacations when you get married, but your honeymoon is so special. It's so special. You'll probably have more money later on when you get, you know, deeper into your career and God blesses you more with the passing of time. And you'll be able to do a lot of beautiful vacations to places, exotic places. But your honeymoon is something beautiful. So sex is not just physical. Amen? It's a lot more than that. And the way God planned it is for two people to come, leave their mother, leave their father, and join their wife to become one flesh. We have some people... That probably tell you, well, you, you're going to go to church to learn about sex. Well, God hates sex. He doesn't want you to have fun. That's not true. He created sex. Or other people tell you, perhaps, if you're not having sex, you're probably the only person in the Milky Way galaxy that isn't doing it. And it's not true. We're bombarded by lies. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, flee sexual immorality. Fornication. Some versions say fornication, which is sex before marriage. Flee it. Everybody know what flee means? Run. Run. Joseph style. Take off. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. Pay attention to this. Because there's something special, and maybe this is why the enemy uses this as a weapon against young people. Every single sin that you do is outside of the body. It doesn't affect your body personally. But the Bible says that he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. When you have sex before you get married, when you masturbate, thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking or looking at images that you shouldn't be watching or watching videos, all that stuff, you're sinning against your own body. It's biblical. You guys believe the Bible to be true? So why does God put this here? That's why he tells us, flee from it. Run. Run, because this is not good unto you. In the 1960s, we had only two recorded STDs. Now there's over 25. And we can see how society, with the passage of time, became more degenerate. 
1970s, I don't know if you guys remember, there was, well, some of you guys weren't even alive, but I Love Lucy. It was one of the most popular sitcoms back then. And if you guys know, there was Ricky Ricardo, which was a Cuban, he aspired to be this band leader. He was a musician in New York trying to make it. And Lucy was his wife, and Lucy would always get in trouble. This is in your parents' generation, and, and back then, it was different. If you really wanted to be sexually immoral or wanted to look at porn, you really needed to look for it. And this show, I Love Lucy, was peculiar in the sense that when they would go to sleep, even though they were married, they each had their own rooms. In this show, back then, they would respect sex so much that, you know, they didn't even want them sleeping in the same bed for a TV program that was coming out in a time where kids are watching it. So each one would go to their own room to sleep. If I Love Lucy were filmed today, could you imagine what it would be like? Emma and Jim down the hall would probably be swinging. Somebody would bring a phone, and all of a sudden there's a threesome going on, and it's recorded on Facebook Live. You could see how society has been degenerating with respect to sex. From what I told you in the beginning, it's been saturated, saturated. And the worst part is that people, sometimes even in the church, they think, well, it's no big deal. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. It's, God's not going to send a lightning and strike me. But the Bible says that we're sinning against our own body. It's not that God's going to curse you, but you are walking out of God's protection. God says, look, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. So God wants us to walk in sanctification and holiness and keep our bodies pure for that time. And then once you got married, man, there's no limitations. I mean, God wants you to enjoy your wife. And wives, enjoy your husbands. But in the context of marriage, so God is telling us, be sanctified. When we decide and we start messing and doing things, we are walking out of God's protection. God says, as long as you do this, you'll be under my covenant, under my protection. But once you start doing things your way and not my way, you're walking out and your body, your physical body now is at stake. Now you could commit a sin that's going to affect your body. We also have advertisements now. Almost all of them have to do with sex. I did this a while ago, and I picked out a few advertisements, and I have them for you guys. I mean, just so you could see, I mean, how crazy this is. I mean, Katy Perry, come on, really? Nothing fake about them. You think she's talking about the chips? Next one. It'll blow your mind away. Burger King. Okay, next. American Apparel. I mean, you're advertising clothes. You can't have sex with clothes. What does, I don't get it. But. And then the last one, I think there's one more. That's Arby's. They're hamburgers. They're things that have nothing to do with sex, but yet sex sells. So we're bombarded, and we don't realize it. Compared to your parents' generation, they didn't have all these things. We talked about Elvis Presley just moving his hips too wildly, and they were like, oh, my gosh, this is going to cause a commotion with the young people. we got to censor him. So they film him from the waist up, and now we're here, and you realize that behind all of this is Satan trying to affect young people's lives, trying to manipulate what God created for good, and he wants to just start messing people up, and that's why we see so many STDs. It's going to affect our bodies, the Bible says if we do things out of God's context. And now we see why there's been so many new STDs. I want to talk about pornography. I wasn't going to, but I think this is something that we have to talk about in the church because it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Porn is a $13 billion industry. 
a lot of money. And 89% of all the porn web pages are produced, guess where? The US of A, right here in the United States of America. And the reason why pornography is bad is because it degrades women and distorts your perception of sex. If you can take notes in your phones or wherever, I want to give you three dangers of pornography because sometimes people say, well, what's the big deal? Everybody does it. And now it's as easy as just pulling up your phone and just going on a website. It's not as difficult to see porn as it was back then. When we didn't have phones, you literally needed to know somebody that had an adult video or you needed to be an adult to buy an adult magazine, a Playboy type of thing. But now it's available for everybody. Why is pornography so dangerous? You guys ready? Number one, intimacy is sacrificed. Intimacy is sacrificed. True intimacy involves being fully known and fully knowing another. That's what intimacy is. When you get married, the goal of every marriage is for you to be intimate with the person that you got married with. If you're a young lady with the guy that you married, if you're a gentleman with the young lady that you married. And the purpose is for you guys to be transparent. It's similar to what the Bible describes in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. I'll read it to you real quick. It says, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So intimacy is so important. It's about being transparent. And when you're into pornography, even if you're dating or if you're married, that's done in the secret and it's done in the dark. It means that there's a part of your heart that your partner doesn't know. And it's something that you're hiding. Thus, you're not intimate to the level that God wants you to be intimate with your mate. And if you slow the pronunciation of intimacy, something reveals into me see, intimacy, into me see. So it's talking about seeing into me. My wife needs to be able to, if I'm intimate with her, see through me and know that I am crystal clear. I am what you see. I have no secrets. Man, it's shady to be in a relationship with somebody that you're always doubting and they're shady. My wife has my code to my phone. She has my codes and I let her go on my phone. Sometimes she sees my text and she's like, so-and-so texts you this. I'm like, what, you're getting my text messages before me? What's wrong with you? But we have that type of relationship and I think it's important that you do. When you start having passwords that your wife doesn't have, I mean, why would you have? You have to be hiding something. What are you hiding that you can't give your password to your wife? So intimacy into me, see, they got to be able to see into you transparently. So that's point number one. Pornography is messed up because your intimacy is sacrificed. The second reason, real relationship is forsaken for an imitation. In the 1950s, there was a researcher called, he was very renowned, Dr. Nicholas Tinbergen. He discovered which markings and color patterns on a female butterfly were most irresistible to male butterflies. He found out what were the colors and the patterns of the female butterfly that drove the male butterflies crazy and wanted them to mate. So look what he did. He constructed cardboard dummy butterflies. And he decorated these butterflies with these exaggerated colorations and markings. And what he found was astonishing. The male butterflies ignored the real female butterflies and kept trying to obsessively mate with the decoys. With the cardboard decoys. Porn is no more real than the cardboard butterflies. It's all built on a lie. 
It's all built on a lie. According to John 8, 44, the Bible says that Satan is a liar and a father of lies. So this guy tried to deceive the male butterflies by exaggerating all these colorations. That's exactly what porn does to you. It exaggerates. It distorts things that God created to be amazing. And you know what? You don't realize it, but you're falling for a lie. And the third reason why pornography is dangerous, and I'm going to read a little bit because I think this is worth it. This is really good. It's because the true purpose of sex becomes twisted. Once your mind is full of pornography and all these images, it twists God's idea of sex. Sex is a wonderful gift given to married couples by God as a means of experiencing physical pleasure together and as a way of experiencing the deepest, most profound intimacy with a spouse. The Bible says, and they shall become one. That's something supernatural because how can two people become one? But yet when we get married and we share life in that level and we consummate that through sex from a married point of view, the two become one. Before the eyes of God, it's not Carla and Jonathan. It's the Agueros. We are one. God doesn't see us as two people. He may talk to us specifically according to our gifts and talents, but he sees us as one unit. Pamela Paul notes in her book, the book is called Pornified, and she wrote this, pornography gives men the false impression that sex and pleasure are entirely divorced from relationships. In other words, pornography is inherently self-centered, something a man does by himself and for himself. When a person watches porn and gets addicted to porn, it totally changes what God's intention for sex was. Because now sex is all about you and what you want to do and the fact that you want to be pleased. Because porn is self-centered and self-serving, it doesn't require now that husbands be lovers of their wives. In the counterfeit world of porn, sex simply involves an image or video, masturbation, and orgasm. The sexual arousal is immediate and gratification is instant. Doesn't that remind you of the society we're living in? We want everything instant gratification. I just want to feel good. I don't care what other people. I want to get satisfied. I have an urge and, and that's it. I don't want intimacy. I don't want, to, I, want, I don't want to work for this. I don't want to be able to court a girl for months and finally and marry her to wait for them. No, I want, to, I want to feel good right now. It's all about personal pleasure. In fantasy land, it's easy to pursue a perfectly airbrushed woman who acts like a nymphomaniac, never has a headache, needs no foreplay, and requires no ongoing relationship. Porn rewires the brain to focus on you and not on intimacy. So you see how they're in the opposite extremes? It's like God created sex to be able to build intimacy and connect you and for two people to become one in marriage. And now the enemy is about making you self-centered. Gentlemen, seeing women as an object that you could get off on. God honoring and marriage honoring sex is about self-giving love. Righteous sex is about self-sacrifice. It joins two people together in love. She wrote all this. That's why I'm reading it. And should always strengthen a relationship rather than weaken it. The opposite of God's design for sex between a husband and a wife can be seen in the use of porn where satisfaction is always at the expense of your spouse because it's all about you. God created sex to be love, sacrifice, mutual respect, dignity, and care between a husband and wife. And great sex happens when the focus is on serving each other and not on getting our own needs met. 
So it's about giving. For God so loved the world that he... So we're more like God when we do the same. So my role as a husband, I need to give and make my wife happy. It's not about what I can get from her. It's not about what I can use her for to satisfy my selfish desires. It's about me. If I sow, I reap. How many say amen? (laughs) That's the way it works. We'll talk about this in the marriage session, but there's a point system in marriages. You got to accumulate points, and when you get to the, you know, you get rewarded. But you have to work. Am I right? (laughs) We'll get to that next week. Porn is often seen as the easy road to sexual fulfillment because it's so readily accessible. It's there. It's on your phone. It's easy. You can just go and and nobody knows. It's in the secrets in the dark. But you don't realize you're opening a door so that anybody can come. And from the time you're 12, 14, 16, he can start messing with you and getting ready for your future relationships to fail. And you don't even realize it. You think you're just pleasing yourself and you don't realize that he's distorting everything that God came and prepared for you. That's going to be a blessing. There's a pastor called Jonathan, but it's not Aguero. Jonathan Holmes, he explains it this way. It is easier to type in a web address than it is to pursue intimacy with my wife. It is easier to view pornography for a few fleeting moments than to build a deep and abiding relationship with my wife. It's easier to selfishly fulfill my desires with no expectation of self-giving, self-sacrificing love for my spouse. It's all about me, me, me. And last but not least on this topic, a licensed couples therapist called Lori Watson, she wrote this, making love to women is hard. Sexuality is complex and complicated relational and physical for us but sex is glue in marriage in fact it's cement and it's true it's it's what consummates the union there's unparalleled joy in feeling connected to another real person through deep physical intimacy you see this is what the enemy wants to strip you of and he fools you into watching all these pornographic videos and being addicted to porn and getting, and you can get it for free and you can go on your, and, and he's fooling you and you don't realize that he's messing with your future. Sex is the pinnacle of this connection and it requires a man, a real man, may I add, to negotiate the rigorous landscape of making love to a real woman. As young people, I want to go back and revert to the first thing we said. It is the will of God that we would walk in holiness in sanctification. That's what God wants. These four weeks that we're dedicating to speak about relationship, if we could just do things God's way, that's it. We are guaranteed success. And I know sometimes it's hard. It's a lot harder in this society than it was when I was 15. Things are getting worse and worse by the minute, but it's not impossible to live in holiness. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, If you speak to God, even when you're weak, God will give you the strength. And you have to be wise. For those that are courting here and those that are dating, be wise. Don't set yourself up. Because, you know, the flesh is weak. The Bible says it. The flesh is weak. I am a guy. Guys love to go as far as you let them go, ladies. So if you don't set boundaries, you know, the first day you're you're holding pinkies. And then... Pinky's not enough. When he goes to sleep that night, he's like, oh, 
tomorrow I'm going to hold her hand, her whole hand. And then it's her hand, and then you want to kiss, and then you want to hug, and then you want to touch, and then you want to, and then it gets. So you need to set boundaries and talk about these things and live in sanctification because it is the will of God for your life. Not because he wants to keep you from something that feels good. It's because he wants to protect you and help you enjoy something that is beautiful. And if you don't do it his way, you'll never experience that amazingness of being with that person on your honeymoon night and saying, I've waited so long and now I'm going to consummate because I love this person so much and I'm going to consummate my relationship with this person. I already did it before the altar with God. And then you do it on that night and you don't think God is there while you guys are having sex. God created sex. He loves it. He loves when people delight in what he created. When people think that God is not there, or he's like, I'm going to give you your private time. <laughs> no. He's loving. When we were in our honeymoon, I bet God was there and he was, you know, happy that we did things right, that we waited. He enjoys that. And when you live in sanctification, that is a guarantee that your relationship is going to work. You're going to build it up and you're going to be in love and it's going to grow with all the years to come. Carly and I are going to turn 12 years now in July. Just went like that. And you look better than when I met you. How do you do it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Points right there. What I want to get to as we close this part of pornography. If you're in there, and I struggled with pornography too. Don't think that this is just happens to, no, no, no. Happens to all of us. It's out there. I struggled too growing up. But you know what? There's power in Christ to set you free. And there's nothing that is not reversible. There's nothing that cannot be reversed when you come to Christ and you surrender it all. To begin the healing process, the first thing we need to do is bring your secret to light. Pornography is something that's done in the secret when you're alone in the darkness. It's something dark. It's something, you know, occult. Porn requires darkness and secrecy to maintain its power over you. But break the stranglehold. And today when we do the calling, expose it. Turn it over to God. Or find a leader if you have an HOB or a pastor and talk to them and, and confess your sins. The Bible says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Because in confession, there's power. You could be set free through confession. And let me tell you something. This is a very strong bondage or stronghold. It's very strong. And sometimes you can't do it on your own. It's just like people that smoke and they're like, they try to overcome it, but they're just addicted. This is strong. Sometimes you need the power of God to be able to break it. You can't do it on your own. But when you confess it and you have somebody that will pray over you, man, you could be set free. And I'm a witness of that. How many say amen? amen? Amen. All right, so maybe you're saying, well, PJ, I've, been, I've grown up in this society. It's all I know, but what's the big deal? And the big deal about sex before marriage, the big deal about having sex not in the way that God shows is that it distorts what God created sex to be which is intimate and lifelong. We've walked away from God's design of sex. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, all of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. And that's the case of mankind. We want to do things our way. But when we humble ourselves and when we say, God, I am that lost sheep, but I'm coming back to your ways. And I surrender the things that I've done wrong and I give them unto you. God, I want to make sure that everything I build from now on is going to be according to you. I want to walk in sanctification. If you do that, God will take you serious. 
God will give you strength to build your relationships. And God will give you strength to be able to find the person. And when you do, it's going to be blissful. It's going to be amazing. Just like he planned it. How many say amen? So with all these ideas and information, it leads to mass confusion. Not confusion on how you do it. I mean, that's pretty simple. You guys know how sex works, right? We don't have to get into that. It's pretty simple. But confusion with respect to the values, with respect to, you know, what is right, what is wrong. There's different messages that we receive. You come here to church, you receive a message like this, but then you go to school and you get another message. And they teach you, look, safe sex, use a condom. But they don't teach you the spiritual aspect and they don't teach you what God intended. They don't teach you about what sex was created to be and why God even created it. They don't teach you the right way. So you're getting confusing messages. And when you're confused, mass confusion leads to confused thinking. There's blurs in your mind about what is wrong and what is right. I love Lucy. Weird. Why do they sleep in different beds, right? Because society has told us that sex is love and sex is not love. There's sex in love, but sex is not love. And then confused thinking leads to confused actions. I love this girl. And I love sex, so I'm going to have sex with her. Sex before marriage is fornication. And the Bible says that we're sinning against our own body. Did you know that only 2% of sexually active teens end up marrying that partner? Only 2%. And the reason why they're having sex is just he loves me so much. He's so sweet to me. He treats me like no other guy. And you don't realize that he just wants to get his and do away with you. And then we have to deal with a whole generation of young ladies that feel abused because all they've done is been used by guys. And then you have to build them up because once you give yourself to that type of lifestyle, you can't understand the Father's love because all you've been is used by people. And then God has to restore their lives. I'm not here to teach you how to have sex. You know, that's not what today's session is because honestly, it's pretty simple. I had a dog called Champ. Never had training. He knew how to do it. I see the ducks in my backyard. Ducks are always getting it on in the lake, on the grass. I have iguanas, those huge dragons, the huge iguanas on my canal. I got a few snaps of them the other day. I mean, they don't need training. It's not complicated. It's pretty easy. But what's difficult is being wise with your sexual decisions. Come on, tell the person next to you. You guys are really quiet today. I don't know if it's because you're taking too many notes, writing down questions, or <laughs> but tell the person it's difficult being wise with your sexual decisions. And that's why you need God. That's why you need God. We can't live, listen, we can't live, JTP Church, like a simple person. We can't live like simple people. Proverbs 9, 6 says, leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. And it's not talking about understanding that comes from the world. It's talking about understanding that comes from the creator. The one who designed sex. The one who designed things to work and to work in a good way. God created sex to be a blessing. And it is. Until you do it the wrong way. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, 5 also says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. When I'm fornicating, when I'm being sexually immoral, fornicating, masturbating, watching porn, idolatry. Why? Because I'm worshiping a God. What God is that? Myself. Self-gratification. 
I want to feel good. I don't want to pay the price of intimacy. I don't want to have to work, you know, to be able to talk to a girl and make her fall in love with me and then, you know, date her and treat her right and buy her roses and invest in her and, and, and work and then come to church and then wait all this time and then get married and, and having to furnish my apartment. And, but I, don't want to, I just want to go on the Internet, type a website, and feel good. I'm my God. I'm worshiping myself. So God is saying, put to death these things because this is not how I created it and it's bad for you. He's saying put it to death because it's not, you know, you're not building your future in the right way. This is going to come back to bite you at the end. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. All these things don't come from God. It comes from our earthly nature. Sexual immorality, first in the list. Impurity, lust. The first three that it mentions has to do with sex. And sexual desires and deviant sexual desires. Greed, which is idolatry. I want to wrap this up and I want you to pay attention to this. Because in the midst of your confusion as young people, some of you guys, I want you to know that God loves you. Really. I want you to know that maybe some of you guys have fallen to this. Maybe some of you guys have done things that you're not proud of. And you know what? God is not here to condemn you. He's not a condemning God. He's a loving God. One of the things I remember a while ago, something that really shocked me when I was growing up, there was this praise and worship leader that I used to love. I used to admire him a lot. Danilo Montero. He's now the pastor of Lakewood Church Spanish. And he was like one of the people that I used to look up to a lot. He came to church once to a conference that we did. And he said something that always stuck in my heart. And I always communicated as well. And he said, there's nothing that you could ever do that will cause God to love you less. You can commit every single sin in the book and that's not going to make God love you less because his, his love is unconditional and there's nothing that you could do for him to love you more because he already loves you to the max because he is love. Trust me, if there's one person that understands love, it's God. So I want you to know this as you're sitting there and maybe you as we were going through all these things and we talked about pornography and fornication, we were talking about, and, and you're like, man, I haven't done things right. Or maybe I've been passing the line with my girlfriend and going, you know, touching and doing things that I shouldn't be doing, that I should be saving for some other time. But know this, God loves you. God is not down on sex. Hello, he invented it. He is not down on sex. The orgasm is God's idea. Praise the Lord for that. He could have made sex that we just look at each other and that's it, boom, a baby pops out. He could have done it. He's God. But he created it to be pleasurable. Can somebody give praise to God for that? Thank you, Charlie. He created it to share with the person that you're going to become one with. It's something beautiful. So why does God attach a guideline to sex? Because he's down on love? No, because he's down on pain. He doesn't want you to suffer. I'm a father right now, but... Imagine a father that has a young lady that's 15 and she wants to start driving. And she's been such a good girl throughout these 15 years that he's like, you know what? I'm so happy. I mean, I want to reward you. You know what? You're going to start to drive. You know, as you start learning, I want you to, you know, just, I'll sit in the passenger seat, but come over here. And as you drive, I want you to speed as fast as you want. You've been so good. You know what? I fill the whole cooler with beer. I want you to drink. Because you've been so good. I got 
you know, in the cup holder, I got all the weed that you need. You want to smoke a blunt? Why? Do it because you've been so good. Speed. Would a father say that? Why wouldn't he say that? Is he a bad father? Why, why wouldn't he say that? Because he's trying to protect her. And that's what God does when he writes in the word of God how we should do things. He's not down on pleasure. He's not down on sex. He's down on pain. He doesn't want to see you suffer. He doesn't want you to do all these things before you get married. And by the time you get married, then we have these problems that we're having today. They had so much sex before they got married that, that now people, guys, they're married and they can't even get it up to do it with their wives. They were doing things out of order. And now we have all this erectile, you know, dysfunction, all these people that have all these problems. Why? Because you did things the wrong way. Sin against your own body. So God is protecting you and God's saying, look, do things this way. You're going to learn how to drive? All right, make sure your mirrors are good. Make sure you drive slow. You know, wise advice because a father loves his children the same way God loves you. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.4, he chose us long before he laid down the earth's foundation. Come on, you don't think God loved you that before he even laid down the foundations of the earth, he already thought about you? You don't think you're special in his eyes? Number two, celebrate the uniqueness of your design. Celebrate the uniqueness of your design. You're, you're special. Don't compare yourself to other people. You know there's somebody that's going to think you are the hottest thing ever alive? Don't, I mean, don't, don't worry about whether the person's going to come or not because God already has them prepared for you. He thought of you before the foundations of the... You don't think God knows what makes you happy and God already created. And we talked a little bit about that last week that when God saw Adam, he said, man, something's missing here. This guy's, he's alone. I mean, I did an amazing creation. It's good, but he's missing something. And then God created a helpmate according to his desire, according to his plan, something that would complement him perfectly. And that's not just for Adam. It's for you too. God has that perfect person for you. Celebrate the uniqueness of your design. Some of you guys probably have been told, even by parents, which is sad, but sometimes unfortunately true that you're an accident that you were born out of an accident you weren't even planned and sometimes that makes us feel pretty crappy like saying man i wasn't even supposed to be born what is life worth living no 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 if you are living and breathing it's because god thought of you no matter what your parents did even if they're having crazy you know crazy drunken or i don't know i don't know how you came to be but it was because god thought of you and he loves you because of this because of what people tell us sometimes we, we don't honor or value ourselves and much less value God. But God doesn't only love you. He made you an original masterpiece. How many say amen? Sometimes we try to fit in. We try to be like everyone. Listen to the same music that everybody listens to and we try to be hip and, and do all the things that other people are doing. You know, celebrate the uniqueness of your design. You are special. And celebrate the things that you are unique in. Most sexual decisions are made in a search for love. If I don't recognize this heavenly love, then I'm going to try to find this earthly love. If you don't recognize how much God loves you and that completes you like we spoke last week, then your other relationships are going to be distorted. You're going to try to find love in people and, and sometimes that's happened. And as a matter of fact, there's a statistic that if you don't have a loving or if you didn't have a loving and good relationship with your earthly father, with your dad, 
then you'll try to find it elsewhere. But isn't it amazing that that's when God says, look, even if your mother and your father leave you, I will take you on. So nobody has an excuse of not having a father. You have a father. And his name is God Almighty. So even if you had the misfortune of not having a father here on earth, God says he takes you upon. And the things that you needed and that a physical father couldn't give to you, God will give it to you. And he will complete you. And the fact that you didn't have a father, young ladies, and the fact that you probably didn't have a good upbringing, you know what? That, that doesn't mean jack with respect to your future because if you trust God and if you do things God's way and you, if you let him add value to you, or not add value, just make you realize how valuable you are, everything's going to work fine. You're going to marry and every generational curse is going to be broken, right? And it doesn't matter what you suffered seeing your parents do or not do you are going to live an amazing blessed marriage in Jesus name because you did things right and because you followed and you made sure that you followed holiness how many say amen two things and I close go with me to the book of Psalms chapter 139 I haven't even made it to 50% but I'm not going to keep you guys here past 12 o'clock promise you Psalms 139 it says you made Look at this. This is Psalmist David. David is saying this about God. And I guess he had one of those aha moments where he's like, oh, God, you're so great. How many of you guys have ever had a worship time where you, you're just in your home and just the love of God just pours out over you and you're like, God, what did you see in me that you loved me so much? And I guess he was having one of these moments and he says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. And how well I know it. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. Is that how you see God in your life? Because if not, Maybe you have a distorted view of how much God loves you and how much he is by your side. He was there in your mother's womb. I pictured this and I don't know, I had a weird, weird mental picture, but I pictured God knitting and putting you together. It's amazing. He loves you so much. I want to finish off with this topic, with the topic of homosexuality, because the Bible talks about that. And I want you to go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. We can't talk about sex and not talk about what the Bible says about homosexuality. The Bible says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. In other words, don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. He's writing to a church here. And some of the people that he's writing to belong to this church. And they were some of these things. Some of you guys were this, but, everybody say but. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So, hey, the Bible doesn't condemn homosexuals. JTP Church, 
The Christian church doesn't condemn homosexuals. We condemn the sin. And here it says, it puts them in the same category. It's not just talking about people that have sex with men. It's talking about drunkards, people that get drunk, slanderers, the greedy people that all they think is about themselves and don't think about all of these things. You know, because sometimes they think that we're intolerant with respect to homosexuality. But God says, look, all these things, I, I love you, but I don't condemn you as a person. I condemn the sin. But just like in Corinthians, he's talking to the church in Corinth and he's telling them, some of you guys used to be this, but they were clean by the power of God. And this shows me that there's grace. If you come and you lay down your sin, it doesn't matter if you were drunk, if you were homosexual, if you were a, a fornicator, if you were an adulterer, there is power in the blood of Jesus to cleanse you, justify you, and make you new. How many say amen? God shows us his design for sex and love so that we may know the truth and follow his design for a blissful life. After all, he is the designer and inventor of sex and relationships. How many say amen? He designed it. He made it. I want to ask you guys, I'm not going to continue. I got a few more things to talk about, but let's all stand on our feet. We've spoken enough, but I want to open the altar today. And I want to just call people to surrender your sexuality to God. And surrender yourself to do things God's way. Because in the end, if you do things God's way, if you do things God's way, it's going to bless you. So if you're struggling with some of these things, or even if you're even too young, or you've never had a boyfriend, or you've, it doesn't matter. It's amazing to come and say, God, whenever I have the opportunity, I want to do things the right way.